Hey friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I'm so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. So today's conversation is a heavier topic, but a really, really important one. Today, we're talking about what to do when you're angry at the church or at God, or honestly, both. We've had conversations on the podcast before about wrestling with doubts or what to do if your faith isn't feeling like it used to, but this time we're taking it a step further. Today's episode is for the woman who feels totally lost in her faith right now. It's for the woman who feels angry with God or with the church, and she honestly isn't sure what to do or if there's a place for her anymore. It's also for the woman who needs to be reminded that she's not alone in this. Our guest for today's episode is my dear friend, Caroline Shandell. Caroline is an associate pastor at an incredible church in Atlanta, and she is one of my favorite mentors and friends. She is so kind and wise and wonderful, which you know because she's been on the show several times now, and I'm just so grateful for the voice that she's had in my life over the years. Here are just a few of the things that I'm talking to Caroline about in the episode. I ask her if there's still a place for us in the church if we're messy and unsure about basically everything. I ask her if we're feeling distant from God, is that our fault? Like, is it because we haven't been trying hard enough? I think it feels that way sometimes. We talk about whether or not we need to agree with our pastors about everything in order to go to a particular church and what to do if there are things happening within our churches or church leadership or just the church in general that we don't agree with. We're talking about what to do if we're feeling totally lost in our faith or angry at God or angry at the church and what we should do about that and if it's okay for us to feel those things. We talk about how to heal from church hurt and how to talk to God about it and seriously so much more. Friends, these are really tricky questions, and of course, we don't have the answers to all of them, but Caroline handles my questions like a champ, and she has some amazing wisdom to share with us. I hope you leave this conversation knowing that you're not alone and feeling just a little more peace and comfort in where you are today. But before we dive in, since this is a tougher episode, I wanted to share a resource that's helped me through some of the most difficult times in my life and my faith, and that's been counseling. One of the sponsors we have at Girls' Night is a company I love. It's Faithful Counseling. If you've been considering going to therapy, but you've been wondering where to find a good counselor or how to afford it, there's a resource I wanted to share with you. It's one of our amazing Girls' Night podcast sponsors, Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is a website where you can get matched up with a Christian counselor for professional online therapy sessions. This truly is the easiest and most affordable way to find a faith-based counselor. Now, you may have heard me talk about Faithful Counseling before, but just in case you haven't, I wanted to tell you a few quick reasons why I love them so much. First, it's really easy to get started. All you have to do is go to their website, fill out a form about yourself, what you're going through, and what you're looking for in a counselor. And within 24 hours, Faithful Counseling will connect you with a licensed, vetted, faith-based professional counselor. The second reason I love them is that it's really easy to find the right counselor for you. In order for counseling to be truly beneficial, you have to find a counselor you connect with. And often we don't find the right person on our first try. But with Faithful Counseling, if you don't love your counselor or if you find that you're looking for something different, you can switch by clicking a button. It's easy and it's free. They really make it easy to find the best fit possible. And then the last reason I love them so much is that it's so much easier to fit into your budget. 
Now, don't get me wrong. I love traditional in-person counseling, but it can cost more than $100 per session, which just makes it a total no-go for so many of us, especially in a time when the economy is in flux. But Faithful Counseling is significantly less expensive, and you guys, they have financial aid available. And if you sign up through the special link that they gave me, you can get 10% off your first month. Friends, if therapy is something that you've been considering or something you think might be helpful for you right now, head on over to stephaniemaywilson.com slash counseling. And that link will also give you 10% off your first month. Again, that's stephaniemaywilson.com slash counseling for all the info. And you can get 10% off your first month of counseling there too. Okay, you guys ready? Let's jump into the episode with Caroline. Okay, friends, I am so excited for who we have back on the show today. I'm sitting here with my dear friend, Caroline Shandell. Caroline, welcome back to Girls' Night. I am so honored to be here. I, I love your community and seriously, such an honor to get to be back on it. We love you. And this is, I think, your third time being on the show. Yes. Although we've Although we- replayed some of your um, episodes because they're just so good. And uh, you and I actually got to spend some time together in Atlanta a couple weeks ago. And even just seeing your face, I just, oh, it was like the best deep breath. And it was such, it felt like our breakfast was like the warmest hug and I loved it so much. And so I just, I, as we're sitting there, I'm like, Caroline, we need to have you back on the show, please. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love being here. Okay. So for women who haven't gotten to meet you yet, can you tell us who you are, what you do, and a fun fact about yourself? Yes. So um, my name's Caroline Chandel. I have been married to my husband, Mark, for 10 years. Um, We have three kids, ages three, five, and seven. And, you know, I've had my hand in a bunch of things for the last few years. I wrote a book. I had my own podcast for a quick minute. But recently, as of actually just a year ago, I just hit my one-year mark, I am an associate pastor at a church here in Atlanta, Georgia. I love it. Can we say what church? Sure. Yeah. Grace Midtown Church. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, and my fun fact. So this is such a challenge because now I have to come up with fun fact number three. I know. For you. I know. (laughs) Yeah. It's a, it's a tall, it's a tall order. Yes. Um, But you know what I was thinking about it? I actually was just sharing this story recently. So this is like a fun, random story of how... So when Mark and I first... Our first date actually was the biggest mismatch of expectations that we could have ever imagined. Um, I showed up thinking that he was totally interested in my roommate and wanted to get to know me while she was out of town for a variety of different reasons. And so I literally, like our first date, I showed up sweaty for my boot camp class and walked into this restaurant to meet him for dinner. And that was the beginning of our relationship. And, and even like... 10 years later, we just think it's like, Hilarious because typically I pick up on all the cues from people. Like I just love people watching and feeling out in a room. Um, but I 100% missed it that night with our very first date. <laughs> that is so, that is so amazing. Do you know um, the first time that Carl and I hung out outside of work because we, you know, met at work, the, he came over to our apartment with another friend of ours. Because they wanted to watch the vice presidential debate. Riveting. So riveting. Um, (laughs) So they wanted to watch that and they didn't have cable. And we did. I mean, it's just, it was life. Um, 
they didn't have cable, we did. And so they came over and I was, my head was not anywhere. Like I wasn't thinking, I'm trying to be impressive. I'm trying to be cute. I'm trying to whatever. And so, yeah, I was wearing like pajamas. And as Carl tells the story, I was dipping pancakes in butter and sugar. That is absolutely not what happened. I was <laughs> lightly dusting my pancakes. Anyway, um, but yeah, that's his first memory of me too, is like being like, okay, this girl is not picking up on any of these cues because she she just didn't... I, I didn't bring my like cutest A-game right. freshly showered that night. But hey, it worked out for both of us. I know. Mark talks all the time about how persistence is what won me over. <laughs> it's like, guys, you just have to sometimes be extra persistent because it does work. <laughs> <laughs> just uh, keep going until until she... Yeah, that's, that's yes. amazing. That's right. amazing. He had a vision for what we were going to be long before I caught it. So um, his persistence definitely paid off in that. That's really cool. I, yeah. That's really cool. I love you guys. <laughs> okay, so this is has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. And what we're talking about today is like kind of heavy and pretty serious. And um, But before we dive in, you just did a really cool trip with your family. And I wanted to hear about it because I haven't gotten to yet. And also, I wanted to hear about like why you guys did it. Because you told me a little bit about the why before. And it just... I'm like... As you were talking about this, I just made this mental note of in my head of like, yeah, like that. Like that's, I just, that was a little piece of your life that I got to tuck away in my heart as like, I want this to be part of mine too. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to. So we took our three kids over to Paris and London for a week. My daughter had spring break and we just jumped on an opportunity of some extra miles we had to take them over there. And, you know, the heart behind it really is just that we want to raise our kids with just more experiences. I think on one hand, the it can be so overwhelming, just the consumer nature of everything. And so feeling like as a parent, you always have to buy more and get more for your kids. And we just, in some ways, we didn't end up actually really giving them Christmas presents. We were traveling a bunch. And, and so just felt like this is more of us. Like we... I'm not a stuff person. Um, and so I loved the idea of just prioritizing experiences with my kids. And I think too, part of it is just in motherhood specifically, everyone loves giving opinions and best practices. And so many people would tell me like, oh, well, I would never take my kids over over somewhere until they could remember it. It was like just this idea of like, oh, not until like their middle school or high school. And that's fine. That's great if that's, um, you know, how you want to do things. But for us, it just felt like, oh, I just, I feel so compelled to as much as we can just prioritize adventure with our kids, getting them out there, uh, letting them struggle through time differences and new food and the metro system. I mean, we were like, our kids became masters of the metro system. They walked so many miles every day. Like we just went for it with them. And I think, sure, we had the the tantrums and the meltdowns and the moments of exhaustion. Oh, that's just to be expected. But I also think it's it's like we're strengthening parts of who they are that I want to continue to grow. And in my mind, I just feel so empowered as a parent to be like, oh, I get to pick what I want to grow in you and foster. And the idea that you can be our adventure buddies and we can do this together as a family. And um, it was 
fun and wild and, and all this stuff. But honestly, we just came back and we had the best time. Like I just, I would do it again in a heartbeat. We just had so much fun. Oh, I'm so <laughs> glad that I, I'm so, so glad that we asked that because that is like hearing it. So I've heard so many people say that, you know, don't take them until they, well, one, people say you can't travel once you have kids. And that just scared me for years. Cause I'm like, I love travel. Travel is yeah. such a deep, I mean, same, I know it's the same for you. It's like such a deep part of who I am and what makes me, me and what makes me come alive and you know how I experience God and like what I just there's so it's such a real part of me that to think about having kids being truly the end of that was just so I just had the hardest time with it um mm-hmm. and so I decided it wasn't true and I had enough people you know echo that that that's not true but then also yeah people say that to us now too where they're like well they're not gonna remember it so it feels like you're just like flushing money down the toilet. Yeah. I'm like, but I don't think you are. It's it's practice. It's in, mm-hmm. even if they're not going to have like memories, they'll have pictures. And, you know, one experience will lead to another one and your kids will be better at the metro next time. So even if they don't remember it, like I think that the experience is built on each other, right? Yeah. I uh, yeah. I I think and for us it's it's not even about one trip. It's about building a family culture that's just like, this is part of who we are and, and something we want to prioritize our, our finances to as we can, our, our time to. Like, we just want to continue to take them to all parts of the world. And it is, I mean, Mark and I met traveling the world. It just feels so true to who we are. And I, again, I think in parenting, it can feel so overwhelming, the amount of opinions and shoulds that just get loaded on your shoulders. And so ways that I counter that, or it's like making purpose decisions for our family that even feel at moments like, yes, this is against what everyone else thinks is a really great idea. But for us, like in our family, this feels so in line with what makes us come alive. And so we're just going to, we've come alive traveling. And so we're going to take our kids with us and um, they're going to have experiences doing that. And and we'll have fun stories to laugh about. So it was just great. I, like I, I loved it. I loved it. And if, you, if you're a parent and that feels overwhelming, even just like taking a, a shorter, it doesn't have to be so grand, but the idea of just putting your kids in front of new challenges, new environments, new foods, I think is just a great way for all of us to grow. We took the girls. There's a an art museum here in Nashville that Carl and I have both wanted to go to since we moved here, but we hadn't had a chance yet. And we were going to take the girls to uh, the zoo last weekend and it was too cold. And so I was like, what if we just take them to the Frist? What if we go to the art museum this weekend? And Carl's like, "Are you? do you think they're going to like it? Do you think that they're going to destroy it? I don't know. And But we went for it and we're like, okay, I mean, what's the worst that can happen? If it goes terribly, we'll just come back home or leave or do something else. Like we might as well try it. And we did keep the girls in their stroller the whole time because like they're almost two and a half. They touch everything. And the art pieces in the main like exhibit didn't have any glass. So I was like, oh, like these are very much within a toddler's reach. And so (laughs) we kept them in the stroller. But they, they really like, they liked it. And they were taking it in and they saw all the colors and Carl was so good being like, hey, do you see this triangle? And like, there were cool, like artistic videos of people dancing and playing music. And there was like a kid's exhibit where they could color and do beads and stuff. And 
It, I mean, it just, it was such a fun day. And it was like such a mini, it was like a little mini travel day. And it, like, I feel like in theory, taking two-year-olds to an art museum is a bad idea. But actually, it was really cool. It was a really cool family yeah. experience. And like, I actually thought of you while we were there. Because I think you were in Paris uh, as we were there. And I just like, this is, this is a step towards that. I really love yeah. that. Yeah, I love that. Great, because why can't we? Why can't we try? Yeah. Sure, maybe maybe it'll go terribly, but then we just leave and why can't we try? Yeah. Why can't we just give it a shot? Yeah. Yep, yep. give it a shot. Um, okay, so our topic today is pretty heavy, um, but important. And we have talked about um, a couple of times on the show, you know, what to do if you're in a season of um, doubt in your faith. That's something that, I think everybody goes through at different points or, you know, what to do if you're feeling far away from God, you know, those are just in every relationship, there's going to be ebbs and flows. And and so we all come to points where we're just like not in as good of a place in our faith. But I wanted to take today one step further because I know that there are a lot of people in the world right now who are either, who are like in the process of potentially like completely walking away from their faith or walking away from the church or both. And I, you are such a safe place for me. Um, I wanted to just kind of open up this safe space for anyone who needs it. And like, I almost feel like this is like rent a sister time. <laughs> um, I, I have just a whole bunch of questions for you. Um, sort of on behalf of anybody who's in a really rough spot with their faith or with the church right now. Um, and I've told you, and I want to tell everybody else, like, I do not want you to be in a position where you have to like, like answer impossible questions that like none of us have the answers to. Um, but again, I just, you've been, you for for years, for more than a decade, you've just been this really warm, safe place for me. And I think that there are a lot of people in the world who need a warm, safe place, specifically within the church. And so that's a really cool thing. I, I love that you are a pastor and actually you're sitting in the church right now. And so I just feel like I want to ask some of the hard questions that I know women are asking to a really warm, safe place within the church because I just think we need it. So, okay, here's my question. So to start out, while there might be some of us who feel really content in our faith, there are also a lot of us who feel really lost in our faith or in our lives or in the church right now. We feel like we're not shiny. We're not put together. We don't have all the answers. We're confused. Maybe we're angry. We feel like we're on the outskirts. Um, and the things that felt sure to us for a really long time don't feel sure anymore. And I think that for a lot of us, um, it feels like there, there really might not be room for us anymore, that there's not a place in the church for us anymore. Um, and I think that maybe we're worried that God's mad at us also for feeling the way that we're feeling. And so I guess my first question is like, is there still a spot for us in church? <laughs> or like, if we are feeling really messy and like, we just don't even know which way's up anymore. And then also, mm. I guess like, is God mad at us mm. for being in this place? Yeah, you know, I meet with so many women um, who find themselves, I think specifically, honestly, coming out of, you come out of college and for a lot of us, we are told throughout college, like, oh, this is the beginning of 
the amazing seasons of your life. And the reality is that for so many of us, what we think is this launching pad to fulfillment and purpose and belonging in actuality carries a lot more questions and answers. Systems that maybe fit in a certain season don't necessarily feel like they fit so well. Friendships become a lot more work than they are ease. Um, It's just so much transition. So just in general, (laughs) like it's just, I think, a much harder season than a lot of people coming out of college and myself included. I think about that first season, but just we just don't feel prepared. And then on on top of that, it can be that people have failed us or the church has hurt us. And so it just, it can end up feeling like such a heavy place to navigate. And so on one hand, I just want everyone to hear that what you feel or what you've experienced, like those are real and have a place. I think the the worst thing we can do is like try the best we can to just push it all under the surface for as long as we can until one day it just all comes up and the whole thing blows up. I I think instead, you know, I, I always love the idea that God is wherever we are, like he is in it with us. And sometimes it can be so easy for us to want to put a value to certain things, even we feel like they're good emotions, they're bad emotions. And I, I, I come from being such a, I'm a mom now. I have three kids. We talk a lot about feelings and even just what you feel is real. Your anger, anger isn't a bad emotion. It's a very real emotion that we have. And there are moments and places and people that, um, that that's real. Like people have heard us. The church has done, um, made some serious mistakes, some all of that. But I always just think about how God just draws us back to His table. I just think about I again. I'm just a mom who just wants my kids to sit at my table for every day of the rest of their lives. Like my dreams are them in college and post-college and just still coming back to my table and have us and us even in moments of disagreement, just sitting back at the table. There's just something so beautiful of like, you will always have a place at my table. And I just think about flipping upside down this whole idea that when it comes to church or faith, we have to come with our shiniest and brightest and most put together selves. And so that's where a lot of like shame and guilt and frustration comes from because we know, we feel the tension. I am supposed to be feeling or looking a certain way, but in actuality, if I could just be honest, like I am, I recognize I'm just as far from that maybe as I'm supposed to be. And so then we just, it just becomes so overwhelming. And gosh, the truth of faith, right? Is that we come in our total brokenness and our complete need in all of our mess in our places of uncertainty and doubt and questions. Uh, I remember even when you and I had breakfast that morning saying that questions are, are meant to not pull us from God's table, but draw us to it. Like we're supposed to just come with the fullness of who we are to where we are. And so I just think about women even listening who may feel that place of, I'm so mad or I'm so angry or... I feel so hurt. And what then does it look like to come and actually sit with your full self back with Jesus at the table? 
and, and like, have the conversations there, right? And like bring it instead of like bring all that stuff with you instead of feeling like you have to get rid of it before you can come to dinner. Yeah, that will never sustain you and that will never that heal you. Honestly, it's 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 about bringing it all in and saying this is how I am, God. This is what I'm really feeling. I'm asking it here. Where can I go? I have it. and who are you if I can't bring it here? I mean, the whole thing feels so false unless it's true that you really can't handle everything that I feel or all that um I'm walking through. Yeah. Yeah. What if um I think that when we're in a hard spot in our faith, there's like this temptation to blame ourselves mm-hmm. or like maybe that's just me. Like when I feel like I'm like far from God or not in the best place, mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's my fault. Like if I just tried harder or pursued him more consistently, then I wouldn't be in this place. And like, I didn't realize until I was, I was writing this down, I didn't realize that this is how I've always thought of it, but it's like God is a rock, like in a river or in... Um, a lake or something, and I'm in a canoe. And if I don't consistently paddle like really, really hard, I'm not going to be able to hold on to the rock. And if I get lazy or tired or distracted or something like that, I'm going to put my oar down and my boat is just going to drift away. And so like, if I mm. find myself far away, it's totally my fault. And mm. it's due to my lack of effort. Is there a different way to think about this? <laughs> yes. Yes, I, I I understand completely that picture. I think so many women will that hear you talk about it. And it sounds so exhausting to me. I, yeah, <laughs> I'm like, I just don't have the capacity to keep putting my oars and trying to work with everything in my strength to stay right here. Yeah. And um, there's like, uh, like, I don't know if anyone has canoed that much, but I, I have, which is a random fun fact, I guess. But like, there's a finesse to it also where like, that I don't totally have mastered where like, if you're trying to get your canoe right up next to somebody else's, there's some like paddling back and forth and kind of pulling the water this way. And like, it's this weird, awkward driving thing that doesn't work like anything else to get your boat right in the exact right spot. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's not just a matter of effort. It's a matter of like, doing it exactly the right way. And I think that that's what it feels like too, that it's not even just like, you know, brute force moving forward. It's that if you do this kind of the wrong way, you're going to end up backwards or like like, uh, not close or part of you will be close, but the rest of you will be far away. There's just, there's just some detail to it that also feels exhausting. Yeah. Yes. So... I loved this question and I love it because of we all have felt moments and seasons of distance with God. And and yet, right? So the truth is that even in moments that we feel like God is distant, we know that the promise is that I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll always be with you. I mean, that is such a promise from Jesus that um, that is true that God is always with us. He's with us in our sorrow. He's with us in our joys. He's with us in our mistakes, failures, all of it. Like he is always with us. And yet, so that this is the thing I think that I have such a heart for. And yet we can think that means that we always feel him because he's always with us. And so then in seasons, we don't feel him. We begin to think that we're doing something wrong because you're not felt as close to me. And I just think what's so important is to 
like rethink even that there are very much real seasons in our lives where God is felt less or is felt distant from us. And I I think instead of believing like, I've got to paddle harder to be it, it's actually in some ways just like settling into and being okay that I'm in a season, Lord, where it seems like there is such a distance, even though I know the truth is you've never left me, but I feel like there's such a distance and and without it having to be like, I'm doing something wrong, but like, it's just actually part of journeying with Jesus through a lot of different seasons is that there are going to be certain ones where we just don't feel God as close, even when we know He is. I always think about in Acts 1, I mean, this has brought me so much um, just personal probably peace in distant seasons with God because Jesus is about to go and he tells his disciples, you need to wait here. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit's coming. This like dynamite power is about to come on you. So you wait and then he leaves. He leaves them. He leaves them and they're left. And where you get so quick to just go to the next part of like, and then everything happens. Yes. And also there is a moment and these days where he is not with them. And the beauty of it is that what he is doing in this felt absence, like I, it is, it's this, it's this felt absent season. But what he's doing obviously is preparing them and positioning them for what he's going to give them. That what we can think so often that distance is like a disqual, like it's like disqualifying us from showing up in certain places. I th- I talk to people in church who are like, I just God doesn't feel very close, and so I'm just not sure I should serve right now. And I'm like, oh no, could you actually minister from that place of what you're really walking with God through? Because I bet there are other people in here today who are feeling really similar. But I also think about how the just like rethinking that even the places and moments where there's such distance with God, there's just such a bigger purpose in those seasons. Um, And how even with the disciples, he left so that he could in fact give them something. He could launch them into a whole different season. I think about this in parenthood. You just did this. How do you teach your child to walk? You have to give them distance. And in fact, the only way your girls learn to walk across the room to you is because little by little, you just stepped away a little bit further. Now you were always there. You just weren't always right there. And I think that's part of it too. It's like normalizing. Yes, there are seasons that God feels really distant. No, I didn't do something wrong necessarily. It could in fact be that God is stretching and growing me and positioning me in ways that require that I don't feel him like I did in a certain season. But that doesn't mean that he isn't with me. And that doesn't mean that I've done anything wrong. It's just actually part of the faith journey with Jesus. Do you think that if there are times where I feel like we're feeling just a little bit distant. We're like, okay, you know, maybe maybe it's because, I mean, right now we're in the middle of Lent. And uh, I feel like Lent, so many people use Lent as a time to examine, like, is there something that is causing distance between me and God? Like something that is, you know, distracting me from Him or something. I'm going to give that thing up for, mm-hmm. you know, the season of Lent. So maybe it's like social media or something like that. I'm going to remove this thing that can sometimes be a barrier 
from between me and God, from more intimacy with him. I think that that's like a, a, the way that a lot of people look at it. So there are times like that where we're like, you know, there's something kind of between us. I'm going to put in the effort to remove it so that we can be a little bit closer. But I think that there are also times where we feel so far away and so tired or angry or like so much distance has happened that it's like we can't even bring ourselves to do the things that once brought us close. Mm -hmm. What about then? Like if we, um, if we really like stop paddling, like what happens then? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's such a great question. I think that you will find that God is right there with you, that it wasn't ever actually on you to paddle really hard to keep up with him because he is right there with you. I think sometimes people, we can all get really tired of trying to live up to the standards or check all the boxes if that's the way we're approaching faith. And so every day is like, I just need to do these three things and then my day is good. And I think in moments like that, it can be so helpful to go back to just real and honest and simple with God. I like to encourage people just even like, could you just sit down with Jesus across the table from you and have a cup of coffee with him in the morning for 10 minutes? Like just you and him, like no one else in the place. Like, could you just find your safest room in the house and just sit down? And could you just tell him how you really feel? And could you not filter it? Could you not have to make sure it's just right or just holy or just as is, but could you just sit down with your cup of coffee that you have anyway. And for 10 minutes, just begin to tell him how you're feeling, who you're frustrated with, what, how maybe you even feel like God has let you down. And could you start there? Or could you go on a walk with him in the forest? Because you get alive in nature anyway. And so with you and Jesus, could you imagine him next to you? And could you just go on that walk and talk to him like you would a friend? Um, not to check something off a list, but because you, you'd want your friend to know how tired you are, exhausted, or how lonely you feel. And so could you start by telling him those things? And I'm not saying that that fixes it, but it keeps the conversation going and it keeps the connection there. And I think in really dry and, and weary seasons, us continuing to do what we can to just have conversation and talk to him and listen, maybe just seeing if for even a second you could tune your ear in to the quiet and hear if there's a whisper in that place. Or Those are just all beautiful ways that we can stay connected in seasons that we probably feel just really exhausted by a lot of the shoulds or the, the, the to-dos that at times it can feel like it feels too much. I love that so much. And like that feels so like, yeah, yes, that. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Friends, springtime is finally here, but that also means allergy season is in full swing. I have always struggled with allergies and I don't know about you, but I am especially allergic to cats. More on that in a second. 
Well, luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. The time that I use Claritin the absolute most is when I'm at my parents' house, my childhood home. They have this absolutely beautiful cat that they love and I like, except for the fact that he sheds so much. So that means that I'm basically sneezing from the second I arrive home to the second I leave, unless I take Claritin. My dad has even started having it ready for me right when I walk in the door. Are you ready to live life as though you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Claritin, thank you so much for sponsoring our girls' night. We love having you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. As many of you know, I recently wrote a book, and while it was the most rewarding project of my career so far, it also came with a lot of hard work and long nights. And sometimes when things started to feel a little bit overwhelming, I needed to get a few things off my chest so I could clear my mind and keep the writing process flowing. And the thing that helped me so much to sort through those feelings was therapy. Now tell me if any of this sounds familiar. Maybe you're going through something really hard right now, a big loss or a gigantic life transition. Maybe you frequently feel anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, or just generally discouraged. Maybe you really, really, really want your life circumstances to change, but you don't know how to actually change them. Or maybe you're feeling stuck as you try to work through your past, navigate your present, or figure out your future. Friend, if you can relate to any of this, you're not alone. I've been there, and therapy has been the thing that has helped me more than anything else with all of this. In the last 10 years or so, I've learned that strength isn't proving I can do it on my own. It's knowing that I don't have to. I'm at my strongest when I have a full support system around me and an essential part of my support system is therapy. Therapy can be absolutely life-changing, that is, if you can afford it and find a therapist you like and trust. But of course, this is easier said than done, and that's why I'm so excited to be partnering with this week's podcast sponsor. Our sponsor for today's episode is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the easiest and most affordable way I've ever found to find a great therapist. It's entirely online and super easy to sign up. You can get started right away. And if you don't love the counselor you're paired with, switching is easy and it's free. If you're going through something hard in your relationships, or if you're in a funk you just can't shake, if you've been feeling anxious or depressed lately, or if you're feeling stressed and you need help balancing your everyday life and schedule, BetterHelp is an incredible resource for you. And I'm so thankful that they've given me a promo code that I can share with you to make it even easier to get started. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash friendship today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash friendship.
I simultaneously have always been... I like consistency and discipline and ritual. And I, I like... I'm just a believer that if you want something, like if you want to end up in a direction, like get up every day and just take a couple steps in that direction. And so that's always how I've operated in my faith is like, if I want to spend time with God, I like, or if I, if I want to be close to God, then I need to like put some action to, to that. And so for that reason, I've always really valued, you know, consistent time with my Bible or consistent time with my journal or consistent time in prayer. You know, I'm like, I just, I know where I want to go. And so every day I'm just going to get up and, you know, try to walk in that direction a little bit. But then there do come times where it's like, like, I I know that that's not why, uh, like, I'm not doing it to perform. I'm, I'm not doing it to check boxes, but it just really easily, like that line between those two is just like really razor thin. So, so yeah, I think that I like, and then there's all the shoulds of, of the way that you know, I think all of us are trying to figure out how to describe what a sort of invisible relationship is like. And so it's it's something that's also always helped me is to think of, well, okay, if this was a person, so it's like, if Jesus, yeah, think of Jesus like as a friend or you're talking to him, he's with you. Like, how would you, how would you communicate with him? But then because I'm such a relationship person, sometimes I like take it a step too far and I'm like, oh, like, God's feelings are going to be hurt if I don't like invest in him today or like this or like Jesus is going to feel abandoned by me if I don't like it becomes another relationship that I need to take care of instead of being taken care of. And that's another way where like I just get exhausted because hmm. I feel like I need to make sure I call my mom and make sure she knows that I love her and I need to call my dad and make sure he knows that I love him and I need to check in with my sister and like the list is really long and it's like I need to call God and talk to him and make sure that like our relationship is good. You know, it's just, it's another thing for me to tend. And and those are, there's some like good in both of those things, but it's, I don't know. It's like just a really easy line for it to get, um, for it to like tilt or tip into something where it's, this is, you know, a box for me to check every day. This is what I should be doing. And if I don't do it, there's consequences. And then also, you know, this is a relationship. Yeah, it's a relationship that if I don't tend to it, it's going to fall apart. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I completely hear what you're saying. And I think part of it, even in that place, is prioritizing stillness in our lives, which is something that's really hard for us to do. But I think that is such a discipline because I think about like when we just go still with God and not even have to say anything or do anything, but just be, I think it does heal part of us that feels this constant need to do things in order, like you're saying, to paddle, 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 which I know so many people resonate with that feeling of, but also like the place of just, just stillness, just being with him and letting the silence be really holy presence to us. And I, I think that's something I know in my life. My life is constant noise. It feels like it's just constant noise, especially with three little kids. And yet trying to find those places of just quiet and stillness where I just sit. I mean, that would be such a strengthening discipline to all of us. If you just even sit 
for five minutes. Maybe you hear something, maybe you don't, but you just sat with God. I think about even in relationships, it takes a certain level of trust and intimacy to be comfortable in the silence with someone. Like if you're sitting with a stranger in a room, it's like, I'm fidgeting. I'm, you know, you're feeling this like, well, what did we say next? And, Mm -hmm. um, but I can sit in silence with my husband and be so comfortable and so happy just sitting. And so I think the same thing with God of, am I sitting with you? Am I allowing the presence of just being with you to refresh my soul today? I love that so much. On a side note, yesterday was the loudest day I think of my life so far. The, both, both of the girls just want to just, they know every word that exists and they want to use them all at once. And they're using them like at full volume and they're doing them at the same time. And I think because their voices sound so similar, they drown each other, like they meld into each other really. So it's really hard to understand what one of them's saying if both of them are yelling. And they just, they have so much to say. They're just saying it so loudly that like both Carl and I finished the day yesterday and our ears like actually hurts. <laughs> and we're like, at bedtime, we're like, okay, and then like, you know, one of them comes in and is like, mama, is that a turtle? You're like, it, it, that is a turtle. We're going to use our, our nighttime voices now. Like, I mean, I just, yes. it was, we finished the day needing silence more than I think either of us have ever needed it in our whole lives <laughs> yesterday. And so anyway, that just was like, yeah, baby, that's yes. a turtle. That's a turtle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mama, it's a turtle. It's a turtle. It's a turtle. Yeah. Yeah, yes. buddy, it's a turtle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh. Uh, I yeah, I really like that. Like just doing nothing. Um this seems like a question that all I feel like all these questions it's like we know the answer, but it's but we also we need to hear it again. Mm. Um is there a point at which we could push God away so far that he would like just give up on us? Mm. Oh, I feel that question because I know people are wondering it and that breaks part of me knowing that someone would think that they could be any two of something, that God wouldn't be with them anymore. I think that um, the truth is that no, no, you... You, you can't, you can't push God out of your life um, to a point that He no longer wants to be with you, or uh, no longer loves you, or sees you, or delights in you. I mean, the Lord is—he's, yeah. We, I know, we know this, and yet I know, like, you're asking the question because women are wondering. But, but what about here? Yeah, even here, even with this, even, I mean, the, the power of the gospel is truly that in every area of our lives, in every season of our stories, in every valley and, and heartache and um, mess up, there is no place that God 
walks away from you. There's no place. There's no place that God walks away. Um, but I know that it can, women can wonder and it can feel like, I think especially if we have been hurt or wounded by people in our lives and have been experienced true rejection, which is very real. People leave us. Uh, people hurt us on their way out. And especially if that is um, some spiritual mentor in our life, if it's a pastor, if it's like someone who has helped ground us in faith, who then we experience that with, that real that hurt is very real and can feel like, well, if this person did it, then what about God? And so I, I know that that can become very intertwined in areas and yet people fail, but God does not and God will never fail you. He will always be with you. But I know, I know the hurt of it is also very real. Um, there, you're doing a great job, by the way. <laughs> I know I'm asking you like really hard questions. Um, I feel like this is, yeah, I, this was, I'm so glad that we're talking about this right now. Okay. So in the last handful of years, and really honestly for all of time, um, there have been things that have happened in our country that have made a lot of people step back from church. It's like different people's actions, the way that they talk about God, The there have been some really hateful things done like in the name of Jesus. And I think that a lot of people are sitting here going, that doesn't match up with who I thought that Jesus was. Mm-hmm. Are these people portraying him incorrectly or am I wrong? And is Jesus really who they're saying he is? How do we separate God from people doing crappy things in his name? Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. People are have done really terrible things in the name of Jesus. I think on one hand, you know, I think often like, We're in such a stage, I don't know if this has been forever, but I know as of the last, I know in this, in the time we're living in right now, that we can look at people who have these really big followings or platforms or levels of influence and think somehow that they are the fully, you know, I mean, that they're God essentially, that that I just need to follow them because if I follow them, then I'm close to God and we can truly can idolize people and worship them and think that somehow they are higher than just being human. And then in moments that things crumble or they do really terrible things, it in some ways is just this shocking reminder of like, we really are all human and we all... We're, we're, we're all broken and hurt in certain ways. And some people are have experienced more healing than others, but there is the reality of that, of like people are people and people can really hurt. Um, 
I think also if we idolize certain people, then when that person does something and we've put like a lot of faith in them, this was even a moment in my own journey that there have been times where I've I've wanted to put my faith in people. And then when those people disappointed or, or disappointed me, they disappointed me or hurt me in a very real way, then I felt that like the whole, I began wondering about the whole thing. Like, well, what really is real then? Because I thought that you had it all. And so I think on one hand, it's really important that our faith is in Jesus and not in people. People are beautiful pointers and, and, and reflections of him, but no one is him. And so sometimes we get intertwined in that. And so that can create a lot of us wanting to just like, leave it all when there is a part of us having to take responsibility. I'm not, but there is, I think it's important to say, there's a part of us that has to say, I cannot put my hope, faith, and trust in any person in in the way I can only put my full hope, faith, and trust in Jesus. And then recognize that everyone else is doing hopefully the best they can to reflect him as truly as they can. And yet there are people who do really bad things. And, um, I think, you know, in that way, in moments that we experience it, I think it's it's a broad question. So it's hard not knowing people's specific places, how to answer it totally. But in Jesus, we have great discernment. And I think that's really important. Like we can really discern out where there's good fruit and where there is goodness. Like where it's a um, someone has messed up and made a mistake and their heart and life are really turned towards God. And so we're going to work through that place with them and, and stay there and whatever in a church or whatnot. And then there's, we have great discernment. And I think even trusting that, like trusting that as women who hear, who are following Jesus, we, we can hear his voice. We can discern out what God is doing in a place and know the times too, where it is just time because of the hurt or the pain or what someone has done to walk away and find a community or um, leaders that are bearing good fruit, even in imperfect ways. And so there's that part in it as well. But absolutely, I think it's a really difficult place when in faith specifically, it's different and it goes really deep when people hurt us and do really bad things in the name of Jesus. And in those moments, seeking out really wise counselors and support and leaders who can help us navigate through that, seek out healing and find ourselves in a body that doesn't going to get it all right, but is really hungry to go after God and own up to when they have missed it is so important. What about Does that like, helpful? I don't know if I really answered that totally. No, I think it's like, is there any sort of like, when we've been hurt, it's like, or we see something that's really ugly in God's people, in his name, like justified by his name. Mm-hmm. It, like, even if we know it's they're wrong, like how, like, I feel like it's still like, okay, so you said reflectors and I really like that. I like pointers and reflectors. But like, what if someone is doing something that is so like ugly 
and it's reflecting back onto God. Like, how do we not let that change our picture of God? Because it's like, it's so hard to see him that when people are, you know, running around and and saying hateful things and being really um, exclusive or, you know, uh, I remember there was a guy who would always stand on um, my college campus and just yell at everybody who went by. He would, you know, yell Bible verses that were like so random and, you know, Mm -hmm. unhelpful and um, just tell everybody that they were going to hell. And like, how is it? Like, it's really, that's a a reflector. It, It feels like, how do we not look at that guy and go, that's who God is? Like, how do we not confuse the two? Yeah, I mean, I think that's where we have ourselves rooted in Jesus and um, read, I mean, one, this is why we have the Bible because the Bible is really helpful in moments like this. Yes, people abuse it, but this is, this is the word of God that keeps us grounded in the middle of all kinds of stormy waters and in the middle of all kinds of people who will try to sway us on things that we just have the sense, I'm not really sure if this is it. And here's, it's not just that I feel a certain way, but I'm looking to scripture and I'm saying, this is going against the the love of God or the truth that I'm reading here. So there's that part of it. And I think that's really important because I think it can be easy as we're trying to navigate through a lot of seasons of our lives to just attach ourselves to any person who's giving us a shiny version of Jesus, even if it doesn't necessarily fit really well with us. And that's where as women, we have to lock into, I'm anchored with Jesus. I hear him, I'm reading his word, and this doesn't fit with what I'm reading about of who Jesus is or what God's saying in scripture. And so I think that's where we become really empowered. We're not just these like, kind of go with the winds of what people are saying. We we know the truth and we we know when something is wrong and um can use our voice and our instinct and make choices to then realign ourselves into communities or under leaders or or whatever that are in line with what we're reading in scripture, who we know God to be. Um, so I think that is so important in it. It's not just, and sometimes people will say really wrong things in really compelling ways <laughs> and, and having even there to trust, like to trust that age isn't a component of how, uh, well, you know him or, or, your ability to choose what is right and what is wrong, right? We all have the Holy Spirit in us. I tell this to my kids all the time. You have the Holy Spirit in you. You follow Jesus. You know his, I'll have them pray all the time. It's not like you have something junior in you. You're fully equipped in God to make choices and stay in line with what God's saying. And so I think just even hearing that of, if you are in a community where you see people making wrong choices in the name of Jesus, then it is time to remove yourself from that community and find a community that is truly reflecting who we read in scripture that God is. I don't know outside of that. I can feel so overwhelmed with the amount of wrong that's happening, but I feel so inspired when I find myself around other people who are just hungry and going after God. And I find myself understanding the limitations in my life to 
I can't carry it all. I just can't. And so I try the best I can to to move myself into community and with people who have such a sincere heart for God and trust that God, as God, who has limited capacity, can work out a lot of the other parts of it. Yeah. I think that there's... um, What I thought you were going to say for a second was like, when you see someone who's doing something that doesn't match up, like you said, move. What I thought you were going to say was like, fight against it. But I think that like, that was going to be... My next question was like, if we are in a church where we don't agree with, or we we find that we're not agreeing with things that are being taught or like the culture and like what's valued, this is how we do things. I think that there's a hesitation to, or there's this feeling that you can't switch churches. That you like have to stay... You have to stay. So yeah, I think I thought that you were going to say like, it's our responsibility to like turn it around or like set everyone straight or something, but like, or to just stick it out until it gets better or something like that. But I don't know. That just sounds so exhausting. Like mm-hmm. to, to constantly be surrounded by by people who aren't walking in the direction that you think is right and to carry the, like feel like it's on your shoulders to fix it or something. Yes. Yeah. Especially, um, right. It's, and I, I, maybe in certain moments, I'm not saying don't raise your voice. Absolutely. If you are sensing, no, this is something that I need to raise my voice on. You raise that voice. I am so for that. And also there are seasons of just having to make choices to, to move into a community that is, going to help you truly grow as a follower of Jesus, right? Like not, you can't grow all the time if you're just butting up about, against constant opposition or frustration or, um, and so even in that, like there are seasons that I do think, I, and we, we, it's people move churches. Uh, I think on one hand, I have a mixed relationship with it to be truthful. <laughs> like on one hand, I think it's really important that we work things out at in a community. I think conflict's really necessary for intimacy. I think that it's great to walk through, it's necessary to walk through many seasons of with leadership in a church to really dive deep, you know? And a lot of times we just stay so surface level. And then when it doesn't fit us anymore, we just jump ship and go somewhere else. So I don't think that that is going to ever produce really deep roots in a community and probably will keep us from experiencing certain things that require us having to stay at the table, have conversations and dig into stuff. And also I think that there are seasons where it's like, ah, this may not be the best community anymore for my family, for us, for for whatever it is. I don't think that you have to believe every single thing that a church believes in order to be in a community. And I actually just was talking to some of our, we call them partners at, at our church, but our partners recently about that, as I was saying, some of the reasons that my family felt so drawn to our church. Because when I came here, I just came, we just came here as people who wanted to serve and raise our family in a church environment. And we loved this church. And there were a few reasons why. And I was saying that to them of and telling them a little bit more specifically about it. But then I didn't want them to feel like, well, you just have to abide by my things in order to be here because that isn't true either. And so I, I think it's 
actually really, um, it's actually really beautiful to be in a church environment where everyone doesn't believe all the same things, but there are some distinctions and differences and yet such a unity that we're expressing something so beautiful that these people, we, that maybe we don't all see eye to eye in every single bit. And, and, but maybe you don't have to. And actually, what if the beautiful part is that we don't and we're all here trying to sort it out and have conversations and work through conflict together as people? And so I, I wanted them to even know that of you don't, have, this isn't like a check the box, five things you have to, you can come here not fully knowing how you think on certain things. And we would love to be a part of those conversations with you. I love that. Here's, okay, so here's my last question for now, because this is such a long, like such a big conversation and, and one that we could and should keep talking about. There are some like really hot button things in the church and in our culture and in the news and stuff. And there, it seems that different groups of people who really love Jesus and are, and are like, the Bible is true. Like I'm basing my whole life on the Bible. I've gone to school for, you know, I've, I've, I have a degree in theology. I like, this is, I'm not wishy-washy on this. I'm not messing around. Like my whole life is devoted to Jesus and following everything that he says. And they are coming up with different answers for what is right in some really hot button like with some really hot button things, what do we do with that? <laughs> because it's not just like a difference. It's not like, well, that's your opinion. And this is mine. It's like, no, this is right. And this is wrong. But then the other side might say, no, this is right. And this is wrong. What, like, what do we do with that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm absolutely. Yes. Um, there are all kinds of people who have really strong cemented views that are very opposing for one another. I think it's helpful to hear out people who see things differently. And I think it's helpful to be a learner ourselves and um, get curious on our own and dig in and and sort through it in all of it. Like, I think it's so important. Sometimes we don't want to, we're like opposed to hearing someone who we don't agree with talk about an issue. But actually that could be really helpful to hear someone who has such a strong conviction about something speak in a way that's passionate about it, that doesn't align with where we have landed. Um, I also think it's important for us to sort through things on our own. And no, that doesn't mean that you're coming up with... It, not everything is based on our opinion, but it is on us getting curious and digging in on our own. I think sometimes we can become so dependent on what someone else believes on something or so dependent on their opinion of like, well, they said it as the authority. And this is where I just am so passionate about being someone in my own life and and encouraging other people to get curious and dig in for themselves on Things. And especially if you are hearing people who are coming such strongly opposing views on something, well, sure, on one hand, it, it can be interesting to hear them talk about it. But on another, it's probably important for you to go do research for yourself and 
um, read the scriptures they're talking about, understand the context and, and own some opinions for yourself in it too. Like be able to settle for yourself how in this season you're landing on some things, realizing that maybe it'll take different forms as you and I grow and mature and, and, and whatnot. But it is important to know how we, what we believe on certain things. And sometimes what we believe isn't just, it's this way or that way. That's just so polarizing. Uh, sometimes it is about even trying to sort out the mystery and tension of holding space for somehow parts of both to be true. We had this amazing moment recently at church where our the lead pastor, and people were talking about it even recently to me, the lead pastor recognized that because of some things that were happening, people were coming into our church that day and some were really happy and some were really hurt. And how do you pastor and love people when they're feeling such different things in a day? And it was just such a beautiful morning for our community because it wasn't about someone coming up and saying, this is how we as a church believe on this issue, but actually seeing the dignity of people in there enough to recognize that this is a moment that we just want you to know that we see you. And if you're walking in today, feeling really hurt uh, because of what's happening in the world, if you're walking in here, feeling whatever you're feeling, we just want you to know that we as a community believe that together we can all exist that we can be unified even when we don't fully believe the same things. And uh, I think people really experienced the beauty of church that morning because it wasn't about these people are in and those people are out. But actually, no, we're just, we want to hold space for everyone and recognize people are holding different things here. And that as the body, we can recognize both those things at the same time. Yeah. I love that so much. I think I thought that like opinion was something that should be left out of finding truth. Like one of the first things I remember being taught is like, you either believe the Bible is fully true or fully not. And so I'm like, okay, like, okay, that makes sense. Well, but people can can believe that the Bible is fully true and stake their whole lives on it and come to different conclusions about about things. And so I think that sometimes without realizing it, we're following what the loudest person around us, what what their what conclusion they've come to from mm-hmm. doing this work in their own life, or or from you know they've compiled different people's opinions, and this is the one that they've come to, or something. But like there still is there there's room and there's need for our conclusions, like for us to 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 read for ourselves and come to our own conclusions, and and all kinds of people are coming to different conclusions. And I think, I just think that I thought that like kind of the first church I landed at, the first person who stated their conclusions really forcefully, like that that must be the right one. And it's really confusing to to see people come to all kinds of different conclusions that love the same God and are reading the same book. And so I think that that's just this really important task that like has made me pretty uncomfortable throughout Mm -hmm. the years. Like, what do you mean? I have to figure out what I think about this. I thought, I didn't know that there was room for what I think. But there, but there is actually, mm-hmm. there is. And, and like, we're responsible for, for what we do with the information that we're reading and, and like how we live our lives as a result. Yeah, yeah. And it requires us to wrestle. Like it requires us to actually get in the stuff 
and be active, like an active participant. And that's not just sitting the sidelines, just kind of receiving passively the information being given to us, but having an active relationship that is wrestling through with God issues or tensions or, or multiple opinions and really getting into it with Him. And it's just a way that that is actually so necessary for us to mature and grow and uh, continue to to connect with him is that we have to be actively in this stuff with him and and sorting through it for ourselves. So I think it is so important that we're not just receiving everything someone else is telling us, but that we're, we're doing the wrestling, that holy work with God. Yeah. Before we go, I, you know, we have, my heart has always been to have people at all spots in their faith journey um, to, for this to be a space for for people no matter where they are in their faith. And I just, I just want to like reaffirm that that's the, the goal. You know, we have people in our community who have never been at a better, stronger, more certain place in their faith. And we have people who like have never really had a faith and they're kind of wondering if God might have something to say to them. And they're just at the very beginnings of figuring that out. And then we have people who've been in the church forever who are, you know, just as solid as can be. And then we have people who are like, what is even happening? I don't know if I'm, if I, if I believe any of this anymore. And I just, this is a place for, for all of us. And no matter where you are, this is, this is a safe place for you. And I just wanted to say that. Mm-hmm. Caroline, as we finish out as our just resident big sister, um, would you just pray for us? I would love to. I'd love to. Yeah, God, we just pray for every single woman who is listening to this episode uh, whenever they find this. God, I, I pray that in the middle of whatever she is holding, whatever she's wrestling through, whatever she's heartbroken about, that she would find you there and that you would find her there, that there would be your, your presence in the midst, midst of that messy, weary place of her life. That God, you would be so real to her as she is walking through what she's carrying today not in theory, not um, even in this perfectly packaged place, but in the the real grit and the real uh, wrestling of her life, her story, her emotions, her all of it. Lord, I just pray that you would be so real and so near. And that God, you would make a way, that you would make a way, that you would heal, that you would um, redeem, that you would breathe life into the places that feel so long gone. Because you really are that good, Jesus. You are that real and you are that powerful. And you are with her in it. And so I just pray right now that wherever she is today, that she would just feel that presence, that you are right there with her. And that today is a part of this grand story of her life that you were writing, that with all the valleys and all the highs, with all of it, that just tells the goodness and the 
the mercy, the, the presence and the power of God in the very real and the very hard and the very beautiful of our lives. So I just pray your blessing and your presence and your nearness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Caroline. You guys, isn't Caroline amazing? I just love her so much, and I'm so glad that I was able to share this conversation with you. One thing I wanted to mention quickly is I know we talked about a lot in today's episode. And so if you want to find the links to any of those things, all you have to do is go to my website. It's girlsnightpodcast.com. And for every episode, we have a blog post with the show notes. All the links will be there for everything we talked about, including all of Caroline's contact info so you can follow her and so that y'all could be friends. The other thing I wanted to mention is that if you haven't had a chance yet, it would mean so much to me if you would take just a second to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. We've gotten so many amazing five-star reviews from y'all and you've left the sweetest comments. I can't tell you how much it means to me. And it also helps out the podcast more than you can imagine. So if you haven't yet, please take just one quick second to leave a rating and a review. Thanks so much. All right, friends, that's all we have for today, but we'll be back next week with another episode of Girls' Night. And trust me, you're going to love this one. I'll see you then.